0: The only way you get 20% off is to go to com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Today's episode The Truth About Sneaky Bank and Credit Card Fees with Paul Kesarani and how these sneaky fees might be impacting your financial freedom.
1: Yeah, so unfortunately fees are you know a high margin, very profitable revenue source for all kinds of companies, from banks to your internet provider to government agencies and everything in between. So as a consumer, this, once again, this is going to be, the I'm going to sound like a broken record today, but it goes back to the fundamentals, which is you can't do anything about a fee that you don't know about. So step number one is really staying on top of your transactions and monitor, monitoring them closely.
0: Welcome, welcome back to the show. I am so glad to have you here. Since we're friends, I'm just going to shoot it straight to you. There are a lot of sneaky fees in bank accounts and credit cards and honestly, a lot of other places. Basically, I feel anywhere a sneaky fee can be, it's going to be, because that's the way that a lot of banks and institutions make a lot of extra money. And one of the primary reasons I'm a big advocate for you being in your money every week is just this chance to spot these fees, because many of them you can avoid paying or spot them and get rid of them, but I know the whole point is there shouldn't be those fees to begin with but that savings, while it might only be a few dollars here and there, can actually radically change how fast you hit your money goals. Just some food for thought. Our guest on this show, Paul, he is the founder of a company called Cushion. And Paul absolutely loves working on products and personal hacks that help you save time or money. And Cushion is this amazing app that does a lot of this heavy lifting for you, to spot these sneaky fees. So we're going to talk about the top five sneaky bank and credit card fees you need to know, what to do about them, and how they can transform your finances. I'm so excited to bring you this episode. All right, let's get to the episode. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: This is going to be a great discussion because saving money on fees is something that I hear from listeners all the time. So I love that we get to have this talk. And I know that this idea of financial freedom, this is something that so many people want. It takes time, it takes patience, but it also takes knowing what to do in order to get there. So I'd like to just maybe start there. Like, What are some money secrets that we need to know about the know-how to get us to that financial freedom piece?
1: Sure. So the know-how piece, in my opinion, comes down to two things. Uh, one is getting good at the basics, and the other is resisting FOMO. <laughs> and so um, a lot of people, you know, they want a shortcut to making money quickly. And once in a while, someone gets lucky investing in some hot cryptocurrency of the day. But those are the very rare exceptions. But um, And people start to see that and think to themselves, what about me? I don't want to miss out, et cetera. And the proof is that investment platforms like Robinhood and Coinbase had record growth during the pandemic because people were trying to turn their stimulus checks into 20x that money. But that's just not how life works, right? And that's actually the quickest way for most folks to lose money. So being good at money is trying to resist the temptations and mastering the boring stuff, monitoring your finances, setting budgets, paying yourself first. And all that stuff we hear time and time again.
0: It's so true. The the boring stuff that is the foundational stuff. And I can't tell you just what you were talking about. I can't tell you how many of my friends have said, Oh my gosh, if I would have invested at the beginning of the year in X, Y, and Z, like think how much money I would have and and should I do it now? And what should I do? And there's like this. Heightened level, I think, of, of of FOMO right now of people really feeling like either they missed out on something or they should get into something. But you're right; like it really, it's really about going back to those basics that seem a little bit boring. But time and time again, I'm sure you've seen this. This is how people end up building wealth and saving money is always, always on the top of people's lists. I hear it from listeners all the time. They constantly writing questions about how do I save more money? Is there a trick to saving more money? Why can't I save more money? I hear this uh, all the time. Why is it? Why do you think it's so hard to save money? Like, what are we doing wrong that is causing us to get in this place where we just can't seem to save?
1: Yeah, I think saving money is, is on the top of everyone's list until they have some, and then <laughs> the temptations to come creeping in. But um, it's hard to give generalized answers to why it's hard to save money um, since everyone's person uh, situation is different, right? So uh, if I were to break it down into two groups of people who find it hard to save, I'd say that group number one can't save money and group number two won't save money. Mm. And so what I mean by that is group number one is making less than they need to survive or just enough to get by. And so they're just unable to set aside additional cash. And that's not due to their own fault, right? This is just life is tough. And unfortunately, that's a huge chunk of the population. But group number two consists of folks who make more money than they need to get by and should have no issue building up their savings. Unfortunately, you know, we live in an era of instant gratification. People want the experiences and lifestyles they see on Instagram, and they want that today whether or not their finances allow for it at the moment.
0: Yeah. I've definitely fall, fallen prey to that <laughs> many times. <laughs> every so time. Enough. Yeah. Every time a new phone comes out or some device, I'm like, I, I don't even know why I need to have it, but somehow I feel like I need to have it. And before I know it, I'm I'm hitting the button to spend more money. And it really takes like a conscious moment to kind of step back and, one of the things that I know really gets in the way of saving money is is fees again and you have this really cool story of why you started Cushion. You said you had discovered like $400 in fees on accounts and was trying to figure out like wait a minute where did this come from and how do I get rid of these? So how can we figure out before I get to your story I'd love to just know like how can we figure out what fees we're actually paying?
1: Yeah, so Unfortunately, fees are you know a high margin, very profitable revenue source for all kinds of companies, from banks to your internet provider to government agencies and everything in between. So as a consumer, this once again, this is going to be, the, I'm going to sound like a broken record today, but it goes back to the fundamentals, which is you can't do anything about a fee that you don't know about. So step number one is really staying on top of your transactions and monitor, monitoring them closely. Um, and you can do that yourself, uh, or you can use any of the many fintech apps out there that find these fees uh, that you're paying for you and notify you about them. And at Cushion, our specialty at the moment is finding these sneaky bank and credit card fees, which we do very, very well.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like the most typical fees that, that you find that people are paying that maybe they don't even know they're paying.
1: So I think those are two different questions. The, the most popular fees by far are overdrafts. Um, and that just became a bigger issue during the pandemic. Folks were scrambling to get by. They had bills due. They needed to feed their families. And so they were overdrafting their accounts uh, just to, to literally keep the lights on. And so in terms of just dollar amount, the, the overdraft fees are the most problematic. Um, when I think about the top like five categories in terms of um, volume, there's ATM fees, uh overdraft fees monthly service charges which is just such a silly way to penalize people just because your balance is low you get hit with a fee yeah uh credit card late fees and credit card interest charges and collectively these are just billions of dollars pretty much hemorrhaging out of people's bank accounts each year it's very sad
0: yeah it's it's a lot of money when you think about it that way so how did you go from this point of realizing these these fees were were there to i need to start a company about this like how did you make that transition
1: yeah, the transition was less so about bank fees specifically. This just happens to be our first product. The way I made this transition was um, I was very disappointed in a lot of the apps that were in the market that are supposed to help the consumer that felt like what they were doing is very surface level. But the meat of the work, which is in this case negotiating the fees, was left on me as a consumer to do. And people are busy and they're tired and they don't want to deal with the confrontation. And so this opened up. And of an investigation into the consumer finance space. And it became clear that people need help across many different aspects of their financial lives. But we started with bank fees specifically because nobody had built an automated solution to negotiate them before. So we thought to wow. ourselves, multi-billion dollar market, massive pain point for consumers, and there's no solution out there, so we should do something about it.
0: Yeah, I just think it's um it's sort of mind blowing. I have, um, I'm what I call a recovering certified financial planner, no longer practicing. But when I worked with clients, we would look at everything, of course, and we would always look at their bank accounts. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would say, Do you know you're paying like $25 a month or whatever it might be just to have this bank account? And there's just like a blank look on people's faces, like, What? I'm paying what? And then when you do the math, like $25 times 12 months times however many years, I mean, that's that's some real money. And that's just one category of fee. But I think most of us just end up paying for things like you're saying. And I mean, wouldn't you agree? Like, we just don't even know that this is happening.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, people are living their do- lives day to day, rightfully so. You wake up, you go to work or commute to your couch, I guess, nowadays. <laughs> and Um, One of the biggest value adds that we provide at Cushion, everyone thinks, oh, they do fee negotiation. We've refunded people a lot of money. Sure. But before that, we actually just monitor your accounts and let you know if fees we've detected. And most people are shocked the moment they hit our dashboard because it shows you how much you spent on fees in the last year or two. And more, more often than not, that's over a thousand dollars between wow. credit credit card annual membership fees, a couple of overdrafts, some ATM fees here and there. It adds up very quickly. So that's what we're most proud of is the awareness piece of hey, this is a problem. You have a leaky bucket. It's time. It's time to start making some changes here and stop wasting your hard-earned money.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's some. We're, we're getting into thousands of dollars. That's some serious money. And you talked about this idea of negotiation. I talk about it. Alone on this show, because I have successfully n- negotiated many things, uh, even things that maybe you think you couldn't negotiate. So w- what are some examples of bills? Like if somebody wanted to try this on their own, that they could think about negotiating, is there things that we can negotiate and things that we can't?
2: Uh,
1: so just quick, uh, background on myself here. I'm Lebanese, so we negotiate everything all the time, whether it's cucumbers (laughs) or an apartment, it doesn't really matter. That's just in our DNA. But I do truly believe that whether it's fees or bills, everything is negotiable. But you have to be okay with the fact that some negotiations will be fruitful and others won't. Um, So at Cushion, we specialize in bank fee negotiation, and we've successfully put over $10 million back in the pockets of our customers in the last year. And the way we do that is Our machine learning understands the value each customer brings to the bank and uses that to get some money back and that same principle really applies to most bills you pay on a day-to-day basis your internet your phone your auto insurance and even your rent most billers most companies that you owe money to do not want to lose your business they do not want to go to collections and get pennies on the dollar so if you reinforce your value to them ask them firmly but you know politely You'd be surprised by how open a lot of these companies are to giving you some money back.
0: When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found quince and I am in love. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's monarchmone dot slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial.
1: Everyone knows that putting money aside and savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at SandySpringBank.com. Member FDIC.
0: It's Tuesday and we've got another Ask Shauna, And this one comes from Brandon. And Brandon says, hey, Shauna." I'm a fan of the show, and I've been listening from way back in 2016, and I admit I have wanted to ask a question for a long time now, but I've been a bit shy, which is crazy because there are like a million Brandons out there anyway, so who would know that it's actually me? But the point is, I'm here now, and I'm asking the question. I'm trying to figure out something. So I got a job offer from a new company, and they're willing to pay me about 20% more than my other job. Not great, but it's okay. The problem is, is that their benefits are terrible as far as health insurance, and they don't even offer a match on their 401k. My current company offers a nice 50% match up to 6%, so I've been able to stash away some really good money. I really like the new job offer, I mean the company, but does it make sense to walk away from good benefits just for a 20% pay increase? I know there are so many variables to this answer, but just curious what your gut reaction might be. Brandon, I'm so glad that you decided to ask the question. See, it's not that tough, right? <laughs> uh, congrats on the new job, and you're right. This this kind of is a is a tough question. I'm going to give you my my gut reaction, my two cents, a couple of things to think about uh, that will hopefully point you in the right direction. The first thing is: have you talked to the HR department at the new job to see really exactly what their entire benefit package would be like maybe they might offer some other good benefits that might make it enticing that you just aren't aware of at the time and i know that sounds like an obvious thing but sometimes i think when we get offered a new job we think that we can't ask hey can we can we see the benefits package can we talk to someone in hr and that can't be further from the truth those things are all possible and they sh- should be available to you i think another thing to think about is i'm thinking about this 20% salary increase are there any chances you could negotiate for potentially a higher salary? I'm not sure where you are in the process, but I really try to resell your skills to this new company and let them know that you you really want this job. But you'd also be walking away from super good benefits to do so. And would they consider a thirty to forty percent increase to make it work to uh, entice you to come over? Whatever that that language is for you that you feel comfortable have you gone back to them and seen if you can bump that 20% up just a little bit more where maybe it might make a little bit more sense for you? And I always go back to this idea, this really old school idea of a pros and cons list, but I make pros and cons lists for all the big decisions in my life because there's something really powerful about looking at it on paper. So write down all the pros and cons of the old company versus the new company and and see it actually in print in front of you. Then what I do is a trick I call the one, two, three trick. So I put a one, a two, or three next to each thing in terms of number one, it matters to me a lot. Number two, I'm so-so about it, no big deal. And number three, I really don't like this thing. And once I've done that, then I go back and I look at my numbers and usually that gives me a pretty good indication of what my decision should be now. Just because you get that out on paper doesn't mean that has to be your decision. But at least you have the information. At least you know how you feel about it. And so you know that when you're making the decision, you're coming to it from a place of some sort of thought, right? You've you've really thought this one out versus just jumping at the new offer because of the 20% increase. I think I think actually your question is really smart because you're you're pausing and you're saying Mm, does this does this actually make sense? Another thing is, of, of course, you could still contribute if a new company has a 401k, even if they don't have the match. And maybe you explore opening up a Roth IRA if you're within the income guidelines or a traditional IRA and stash away some more money if you have that available to you in the meantime. And who knows, maybe that company might change their policy going forward. I mean, I've seen companies who had matching programs in place for years, and then all of a sudden they took away the match. So I'm not saying that they'll suddenly magically add a match in, but I think what I'm trying to get you to think about is how important is that to you versus, like you say, you really want to work at this new job. Is there a way to get the salary a little bit higher? lots of different scenarios here, but this isn't, this isn't a perfect science, but maybe you can get the new company up just a little bit higher to at least make that move, make more sense financially. But this is such a great question. And Brandon, I can tell that you are, you are really like dialed in because you're asking the right questions. You're thinking about this. You're trying to think through everything without just jumping on the first offer. So I hope that gave you just a little bit of guidance. If you're like Brandon and you're sitting there and you have a question that you want to ask, what are you waiting for? I don't even have to say your name if you tell me not to. I've done plenty of anonymous questions. So you can head over to the link in the show notes to ask your question or head over to the podcast hub, mmoneypodcast.com. And right on the homepage, on the bottom of the homepage, there's an Ask Shauna section. Fill it out because I cannot wait to answer your question. Don't go anywhere. We have got so much more to cover about negotiating these sneaky fees. Let's jump back into it. And are there things that we should say or not say when we're negotiating? Um, obviously, we want to try to be as nice as possible. But is there specific words that we're using or not using?
1: Um, yeah, so when it comes to negotiation of just of anything, not just fees, uh, the same principles apply, it's and I'll just kind of share the framework that I think of when, when I'm dealing with this yeah. stuff. So one is you have to do your homework and figure out what other options you have. So if you're living somewhere where there's one Internet provider or one a place to like get your electricity, there's not much wiggle room there. You need those folks. But that's very rare nowadays. There's a lot of competition in the market. So first of all, figure out what your leverage is, what the com- competitive landscape looks like. And it's your subtle way of almost telling whoever you're negotiating with, like, I have options. Um <laughs> And then also have something ready to say. You don't want to just freeform, just show up and hope that what comes out of your mouth is going to be smart and compelling. Having a, doing a little bit of prep helps. Um, having just basic information ready, like your account number, how much you've been paying the biller, how long you've been, bill- been with them. Uh, all of this is important. Um, reinforcing your value and loyalty. Um, reminding the support agent that like how many payments you've made on time, if that's something that applies. If you have any financial hardships, you should definitely mention those because most companies, whether it's PG&E, Comcast, et cetera, they all have programs to help people who have um, financial hardships. So you just need to surface that information. Um, As you said, be firm, but also polite, like the human being on the other end of the line did not invent the rules. So the nicer you are to them, the more likely they are to help you. And lastly, just don't give up so easily. So if one agent says no, that's fine. Wait a day or two and try again. Um, but when it comes to what, to what not to say, it's pretty simple. Just keep calm and don't curse or shout at the other person at the end of the line. Um, kind of losing your cool and being aggressive won't get you anywhere at all. In fact, it might result in you losing access to the service or having negative comments sent to your credit bureau, which could affect your credit score. So in short, you know, do your homework, be prepared, be cool, and don't give up after the first rejection.
0: Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards, will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen
2: to your podcasts. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
0: Right. And I I love also, I mean, it starts with asking a question. Most of us don't even ask the question to negotiate. So, And asking the question, we've got a 50-50 shot in this as well. And then with, with those tips, we can probably increase our odds and you brought up credit score and i i'm wondering if if we've maybe had some negative things in our in our financial past maybe we haven't paid some bills on time or maybe our credit score isn't as great as we would like it to be do those things put us at a disadvantage when it comes to negotiating fees
1: yeah i mean your history with the bank the credit card issuer whoever it is does definitely impact the outcome of your negotiations like when you're trying to get some money back. And um so so if the bank if the bank, for example, is forgiving with you once or twice or three times, that will um decrease over time. And by the way, each bank has a different policy and they're cyclical. They'll say within one year we'll give you back X amount and so on and so forth. Um, And so it's important to just stay on top of these things. If you get hit with a fee, the faster you act on it, the better. So for example, late fees, late fees do affect your credit score. Um, So if you have a credit card bill due, even if you can't afford it, try to pay the bare minimum, even if it's like $25 on time, because the second that late fee hits, that can be reported to the credit bureau, which will impact your credit score, which can increase your interest rates if you're applying for another loan. So it's kind of like a domino effect that can go downhill really, really quickly. Um, So I would definitely say try to negotiate these fees. So the right order is try to pay the bare minimum and not get hit hit with the late fee. But if you do, negotiate it as fast as possible before your credit card issuer has a chance to send it to the bureau. And by the way, we've seen a 50% success rate reversing credit card late fees. So it's funny when you said 50-50, you actually (laughs) nailed it on that one. And if for any reason you're a bit late on negotiating the late fee and it um, has been already reported to the credit bureau, you can still contact them and try to get that taken care of. It's just a bit more work.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I like that. That's a great sort of action plan because it is sometimes easy to forget to pay a bill. Uh, you, you know, most of us probably have things on auto pay, but it still can come up where something you just forget to pay. And then you get in that moment of panic where you realize you haven't paid it. And, and this is just a great step in, okay, here's what you need to do to, to try and get that reversed. And obviously we can do a lot of these things we can try and do on our own but what i love about cushion it's really something i haven't seen out there is that you do the heavy lifting for us which is fantastic because i think a lot of people have this aversion to even the word negotiation there's just this you picture some like slimy sales guy <laughs> and yep. and and that's not really what's happening but with cushion you can you can help us uh, at least get to a place. So tell me a little bit more about like how it works. I get that you're you're also staying on top of of uh, our bills and like looking for any of these fees. But if we if you spot something where there's there's an extra fee, like, how, what is that process like to maybe get that fee reversed or removed?
1: Sure. So first, let me just cover what we do and then kind of how we do it. Um, So our goal long term is to put financial peace of mind on autopilot for consumers, because as you mentioned, people are busy, they have other things to deal with, they don't want to have a confrontation or build predictive models. That's not what people have to do. They have lives to live. So our debut product right now is focused on bank and credit card fees. And what we do can be broken down to three chunks. Um, One is we find and notify customers of any bank fees or credit card fees that they've paid. Um, So that's the awareness piece. Two is that we have this negotiation engine that will uh, contact the customer's financial institution automatically to get those fees waived or refunded. Um, And so as I mentioned, we've refunded over 10 million bucks in the last year alone. And our most recent feature will predict and alert folks that their risk of overdrafting their account or getting hit with some type of fee. So at the moment, we're focusing on finding and negotiating and very soon predicting these fees for consumers. And the process of negotiating is far more complicated than it sounds. But just to simplify it, one is finding these fees is so much more complicated and and, and tedious than it sounds just because you think of the word overdraft or maybe non-sufficient funds. But something like CP item, CP item is actually an overdraft. It's a cousin of an overdraft. It's a courtesy pay fee and a credit union somewhere, you know, in Nebraska Uh, might call their overdraft CP item. And so you might see that. Yeah, it's very sneaky. So we have a very intense detection layer uh, that finds these fees all built on machine learning. Then we have a bunch of machine learning models to figure out what's negotiable, when to reach out to the bank, what to say to the bank. And then we have our systems that will reach out to the banks via traditional mail. Uh, uh secure email exchanges and so on, and then other models that will read these emails programmatically. And it's taken us years and years to build the infrastructure, the data and the models to do this so that you can just sign up and then get on with your life and Cushion takes care of the rest behind the
0: scenes. So are, are banks and credit card companies, are they trying themselves to find ways around the technology that you're building i mean is is there a like tug of war happening or are they just like okay fine
2: so
1: it's not a tug of war at the same time banks are not going to welcome this with open arms just because like i mentioned earlier uh fees are a wonderful high margin revenue source for a lot of companies and, and banks specifically um, with that being said banks are also Traditional banks are, are battling it out with neobanks that are low fee, no fee by design. Right. So even though they might not love that our technology is doing the work for the consumer, we're actually helping them retain a lot of these customers. Because we'll ask somebody, hey, how do you feel about Bank X? Like, oh, I hate them. I can't believe how much they've charged me. And then we, we'll get them back a few hundred dollars. And we ask them again. They're like, you know what? They're not so bad. Maybe <laughs> I should stick with them. So we are uh, in a roundabout way helping their retention. Other
0: customers. Yeah, I guess that, that is a good way to look at it, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody loves the money back. So suddenly you give someone money back, it's like, oh yeah, I love the company. They're fantastic. Yep. <laughs>
1: Correct.
0: And uh fintech, I mean, in particular, I mean, even if we just look back the last like five years, how things have changed, how we can do money differently in so many different ways that than we weren't able to do before, it just it really is um it's really inspiring. And I'm curious your thought because you're in this all day long. What do you think the future is for fintech and like how it's going to be able to help us as customers and help us do money better and and maybe hopefully grow wealth?
1: Yeah, this is it's really, really difficult to predict the future of fintech and money for that matter, because everything's evolving so quickly. Um, And yes, there are more options out there than ever. But that also means there's more noise as Mm -hmm. well. So, the intense competition in the consumer finance and banking space is resulting in more innovation, better app experiences, new products to help people manage their money. But it's still on the consumer to vet these services and use the handful that are actually right for them. Um, So, unfortunately, like the most amazing apps and products can wreak havoc if they're used by the wrong people. And the example I go back to is investing. Uh, It's easier than ever to just start investing with just a few dollars. But if you don't have a savings, Account. If you don't have a nest egg and then you start taking money and automatically investing it into something that will hopefully be the next, you know, breakaway uh, cryptocurrency, that's just not responsible. So no matter what innovation comes out, the consumer needs to stop and say, all right, what problem is this app or product going to solve in my life? Is this right for me? If this goes sideways, uh, how much do I risk to lose before, you know, just jumping in and getting excited? So a lot of this has to go back to folks like you and I and really vetting vetting these apps before we start connecting all of our financial institutions to them.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So because you're in this world all day long, I mean, has this changed how you think and deal with your own money?
1: Um I have, for, once again, I, so for me coming coming from a country like Lebanon, uh, that is very volatile and we expect things to fall apart at any moment. I have a lot of the, the foundational stuff ingrained in my head because where I grew up, it's you expect you, you expect everything to fall apart mm-hmm. and you could lose every, everything in an instant. So if you just grow up with that mindset, right, you're yeah. very careful, you put money aside. So when something like the pandemic hits, um, you're kind of ready for it. Um, so not a whole lot has changed in my end, still a broke, uh, founder trying to help (laughs) consumers save money.
0: (laughs) I feel your pain, Paul. I understand. (laughs) Well, this has been, this has been so insightful. I I love to end every episode with an actionable money tip, idea, strategy, tool, something that, that we need to know about. So what's something that you want the millennium money listeners to walk away with after a conversation?
1: So I mentioned earlier that this whole situation with Instagram and instant gratification and people just wanting to live that champagne lifestyle today. But the, the main thing that I go back to is making money is hard, but holding on to money is a lot harder. And when you log into your bank account and start to see some money coming in, all kinds of temptations will creep up. And before you know it, you spent a bunch of that money. So my philosophy here is not rocket science at all. It's out of sight, out of mind. So I send a small percentage of each paycheck that I earn into a savings account at a different bank that I rarely log into. And so when I'm logging into my primary bank, I see my checking account. That's where I'm paying my rent, paying my bills, and forgetting that the other money exists. And this strategy is very boring, as I've mentioned before, but it's incredibly effective because you passively build up a savings account. And it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm depriving myself. It's just automatically getting routed there the second you get paid.
0: So after this episode, I did a little investigation myself and found over $100 in silly fees that I actually never saw before. (laughs) And this is shocking because I'm in my money all the time. So I'm just saying an app that does this for you is pretty cool in my book. If you want to learn more about Cushion, head over to their website, Cushion.ai, and you can find out all the information you need to know and get signed up if this is something you're interested in. But at the very least, let this just be a little warning to check out your bank accounts, check out your credit cards, and look for these sneaky fees. So thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, share it with friends and family members. Anybody who you know might need to know about these sneaky fees as well. As always, you can find links to our show guest as well as our episode sponsors right in the show notes.